0: Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, it is Jerry Springer! Thank you! All of you up there, thank you very much! Thank you!
1: I even want to say Judge Jerry Springer because I have been watching. And by the way, what I understand, the ratings are good. A lot of people are watching Judge Jerry. It's on in what, like 99% of America, so it's everywhere. And uh, I think it's, all kidding aside, and I've told you this privately a number of times, very good, and Jerry's a former... Uh, attorney, Northwestern Law School, uh, a mayor of the city of Cincinnati, uh, anchor man, newsman in Cincinnati, uh, top rated for a number of years. So nobody, I know, I'm not surprised. But I look at this show, and I'm always looking at it as I look at it. It's like, what's in it for me? And so I have some <laughs> thoughts. And um, uh, I try can't say we can save time. Nothing.
2: Nothing. Turn that clock off. Clock <laughs> <it's laughs> off. Well, no, that
1: segment will be, a be a pretty be short. <laughs> 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 nothing in it for you no, no. go. I have faith. I have faith. <laughs> so uh, I come from, you know, on the side, but all through my life, as you, as our old friend, God rest his soul, Mike Ford, and a lot of people, Tim Burke, Gene Beaupre, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Politics. And as I did my career, which has been an education, I always worked on the side. I ran for office once. Exactly. I worked in all of your campaigns. So I'm convinced that we can take Judge Jerry, leave that damn cash cow on the air. We're going to need it. <laughs> but over on the side. You mean we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Over on the side, like on a parallel track, maybe yeah. a little narrow gauge track over here. That we run you for judge, probably in Ohio, because your yep. history is in Ohio. Yeah, We're in northern Kentucky. I live here. Maria lives here. But uh, you, you sleep in hotels over in Cincinnati because <laughs> yep. you have to have the big expensive hotels. Chocolates you know, on the pillow. On the pillow, right. <laughs> so I got this idea. I, of course, want to be the campaign manager. And to earn that position, I've carved out some slogans. Just got a couple slogans. want to run them by you. And I want to ask people listening to this show, just email me, gene at jerryspringer.com. Yeah. Gene with a J, J-E-N-E. Yeah. Email me, gene at jerryspringer.com. I am the, and listen to how I say it, executive producer. I'm not just a producer. I'm the of executive this. producer. Yeah. I'm over all the other producers. Yeah.
2: And could you name one? <laughs> I can't.
1: Yeah, I can't. You are <laughs>
2: executive producer over <laughs> no producers. <laughs> no producers. That's right. <laughs> anyway. here's but you the earned it. it.
1: I earned it. Okay, first slogan on a campaign. Put this on a campaign song, sign. Judge Jerry, you get justice, he gets money. That's pretty honest, isn't it? That's how it works on your <laughs> well, show. It's honest. You give out justice, and yeah. then you get the
2: money. I'm not so sure about the justice part, but I get the money, yeah. Here's another one. <laughs>
1: yeah. oh, this one's real honest. Yeah. Vote Jerry for judge and help Gene keep a job. Ooh. That's pretty straightforward. Good alliteration. Yeah. No bullshit there. That's you just know. right what it is. And also no votes. And also, <laughs> here we go. Judge <laughs> Jerry Colon, you'll get your justice yeah. right after this message from our sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> we always have to have that.
2: Yeah. This is, it's a new kind of this is new campaign of is not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> also, as soon as any station in America hears about... That concept, yeah. they'll drop the, <laughs> <show>. <laughs> drop the show
1: Okay, drop it's this. just a joke. It's people. a joke. I'm not. Okay, it's just a yeah, joke. I'm not. We're, not just, we're just trying to fill a segment here. That's all we're doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, is that how you produce this show? <laughs> how I produce this show. <laughs> he just got to fill a segment. Never tell you about the time. Yeah. I was working out in this gym in my life, and uh, and I do. It's hard to tell by looking at me, but yeah. I work out in gyms. Yeah. So, you know, I just like to go to gyms, lift lift some light weights. I think it's more likely you're out of work. So I, work was, out. I was in a gym one time, yeah. and I've been a teacher my whole life, an educator. Yes. I've been a teacher, a counselor, ran schools, et cetera. But uh, this is when I first started at a place called Glen Esty Junior High School. Oh, my gosh. I spoke You've all that. heard of yeah. that. Really? Yeah. You've heard yeah. of that. So I was a teacher at Glen Esby Junior High my first year. And I think there's a statute of limitations on this, so I'm going to tell this. I had a kid <laughs> my first year. I'm going to have like, to
2: recuse myself. He's like
1: driving me crazy, just you know tearing up one of my <clears throat> classes. So I said, uh, let's say his name was Bobby. I said, hey, Bobby, come on out in the hallway for a minute. I want to talk to you. And we went out into the hallway at this school, and I looked up and down the hallway, and there was nobody out there. That was important to this. He's a junior high kid. When I started working in high schools, everybody was bigger than me. But in junior high, I was still bigger than the kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I grabbed this kid, and I slammed him up against a locker. And I said some stuff to him, and there were some profanities in it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, the shut shit. the mother. What? I'm in my class. Blah, 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 blah. And he just sort of looked at me. When I got done, I let go, and... He adjusted his shirt and went back into the room, and all his buddies are like, dude, what did he say? And he, I'll, I'll tell you later. And I never had any trouble with that kid ever again, and I didn't have any trouble with any of the other kids in that class. So I was also f- trying to be funny and relatable and all that, yeah. but that was a moment I had. Yeah. Fast forward about 10 years. <laughs> I'm in a gym Oh no! in a place over in Cincinnati near where we were living oh. at the time, and it was a hardcore yeah. gym. It was, some, it was, it was pay- a real free weight gym, and the people in there were like, they were bodybuilders, men and women. They were like serious oh. about this. they go to shows and do stuff. Did you recognize him? I'm bench pressing. <laughs> oh. I probably hit about 125 pounds on a bench press. And I'm, I'm So I'm, I'm down. You know, looking up, and I'm, somebody might have been spotting me and handing me the rack, and I'm doing, you know, a set. And a guy comes over and takes the guy spotting me and moves him out of the way. Oh. And oh. he lifted and racked the weights, and he's looking down at me, and he said, hey, you used to be a teacher? Oh. And I said, yeah. He said, uh, <laughs> Glenn Esty Jr., High." Oh. Yeah, now I'm looking up on him. He's like, real like a big dude. I mean, he's like <laughs> all ripped and just really a big dude. And he said, you slammed my ass up against a locker one time. Oh, and he's sweating on me, you know, standing up there. And I sat up, and I, oh, I thought, this is not going to end well. Oh, you know? no. And and then I apologized and says, you know, I was really a pretty shitty teacher. And he <laughs> yeah. said, well, I was a pretty shitty student. And then we shook hands. And all these guys gathered around. Oh, that's All a these like muscle bound dudes yeah. and they're, like, they're looking at me. This guy slammed you up against <laughs> a locker. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then they beat you up.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have so, you thought about teaching in elementary school?
0: I think that'd be about <laughs>
2: the only place
1: these days I
0: could.
2: <laughs>
1: You know, <laughs> yeah.
2: you know that if you uh, ever
1: did that today, oh, oh, you'd well, be, be gone very quickly. Yeah, hey, Jerry, I have a serious question yes. for you. And by the way, we have highly mm. likely coming back mm-hmm. up. They are great, yes, yes. Give it up. <laughs> we love that. <them. laughs> They've been on before, and we've we, we love them. Uh, polls, political polls during this Democratic Party process of selecting a nominee to run against Donald Trump, and uh. There are a lot of polls, and the one consistent thing is clear Elizabeth Warren is a force. You'd at least say, everybody would say that. She has exactly. emerged as yep. a force. What do you think of that?
2: Well, I'll start off by saying I feel a little bit guilty because I remember, you know, when we started out in politics and I, I was in my 20s. And back then, we used to say you couldn't trust anyone over 30. And, you know, every time we were talking about bringing change, this was the civil rights era, this was the Vietnam era. Uh, you know, you couldn't trust these older politicians or whatever. And because they were always saying, we got to go slow. You can't, you know, you. in other words, I was anti-establishment. And now at my advanced age, I realize that I'm starting to say and have the same reaction at the establishment had back towards me and my generation when we were saying, because I remember in the last presidential election um, when I was, you know, supporting Hillary, and I remember even people here, right here at the podcast, you know, who were for Bernie Sanders and were kind of looking at me, oh, Jer, come on. And, and 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 I realized that some of my instincts have become more protective Than they and more conservative, I guess, Mm -hmm. than they were when I was just a you know a leftist, and I'll add the adjective crazy leftist. And so here comes Elizabeth Warren, and once again I found myself and I really was kind of, oh, you know, do I like myself? Because she I was kind of concerned about her candidacy. There is no question she's surging. And And I realized that when I have some problems with her candidacy, I'm starting to sound like the people I'm not crazy about. And and the argument against Elizabeth Warren most recently has been, you know, she's talking about Medicare for all, and the argument against it was, you know, come on, Elizabeth, how are you going to pay for it? Senator, how are you going to pay for it? And she wasn't very specific in what her plan was. And then, as we record this, about two weeks ago, she finally came up with her plan of how she was going to pay for it. And all the establishment and wealthy people were screaming at her. And she made reference, this is horrible, and I am... Oh, it's my grandson. Oh, time well, hold, out one second. Hold on, we'll put him hi. In. Honey, hi. I'm on my podcast right now. <laughs> oh, look at him. Isn't he gorgeous? No, look. Hello. Say hi to everybody.
3: <laughs> oh, it's Ricky. My. Hey, no, God.
2: Ricky. I love you. Can I call you back as soon as I'm done? Uh,
0: please, I'm so
2: sorry. No, not at all. This is the best <laughs> thing that happened to me today. Okay, I love you. I'll call you back. Okay. Bye. Bye, honey. <laughs>
1: Oh, Oh, wasn't it? it it Oh, not precious. (laughs) (laughs) That was. Oh my
2: God, that was great.
1: Okay, Elizabeth Warren. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right,
2: and and so all the you know Michael Bloomberg is suddenly coming in and you know he's saying there's no you know kind of scared of Elizabeth Warren maybe Bernie Sanders too and I'm I don't see anyone else. I'm in this race, and Elizabeth Warren is saying. Basically, what, and she even referred to it, what FDR said in 1936. He famously said, the rich and powerful are unanimous in their hate of me, and I welcome their hatred. This was FDR's speech because wealthy people and the new, you know, looked at the New Deal and hated it. And so she's saying, and now she's saying, you know. Look at all the people that are upset about it, all the billionaires and everything. Fine, bring it on. This is the fight I want. And yet, what everyone should remember is that FDR said that in 1936, by 1936, all the major New Deal legislation had been passed in his first term. And then starting in 1936, his second term, that's when things started to slow down and the Congress... And the courts, that's why they had the court packing, tried to dismantle some of the New Deal. And that has been going on for the last 60, 70 years. So we should recognize that when we say, let's bring on the fight against the establishment, the establishment is not weak. They're the establishment for a reason. We may not like what the establishment is saying and how they want to hold on to their power and at the negative things they do, but you can't pretend there's nothing to the establishment. They're there because they've been powerful, and they've managed to be, in their light, successful. All right. When she put together her plan, my problem with it is that it wasn't, I'm not saying she's dishonest, but the plan wasn't totally accurate in terms of how it gets paid for. For example, yes, wealthy people should clearly play pay more in taxes, okay? End of discussion. Absolutely. then we can decide what those percentages should be, but certainly what she's asking for is not too much for billionaires to pay, okay? So clearly that's right. The argument though is they're not that many billionaires. If the cost, which she says, and which everyone kind of says, is going to be about $34 trillion in 10 years. You can't pay for that just by taxing wealthy people more. They're not enough of them. It's not enough money. Plus, if you taxed everything about them, they wouldn't be billionaires anymore, so you wouldn't get any money. So that's the first thing. It's not enough money that way. The part that I found dishonest was when she said it won't be a penny more for the middle class the middle class won't have to pay a penny more in taxes that's just not the truth and the reason it's not the truth is not is because two things one billionaires don't have enough money nor do corporations have that much to pay for it all but secondly if you put 34 trillion into Medicare for all, then you don't have a penny for any of the other social programs that we're all talking about. When she's talking about free college education, you know, housing programs, this, that, and the other. So you can't be telling the middle, you know, we got to be honest about this. If we're going to sell it, tell us that it is going to cost more money. It's like Mondale said in 1984, when he says, you know, Reagan won't tell you that he's going to raise taxes, I am going to tell you that I'm going to raise taxes. And everyone said, oh, isn't he courageous? And then he lost 49 states. So it is Medicare for all, which is a strong argument for, is going to cost more money. And also, in order for the $34 trillion to pay, the states are going to have to contribute in her plan. Well, Where do you think the states are going to get the money? They're going to have to raise our local taxes, our state taxes, which, by the way, are more regressive than federal income tax. State taxes are more regressive. Property taxes are more regressive because they're not based on how much money you're earning. So let's just say that this is going to cost a lot It is going to cost a lot of money, and yes, the middle class is going to pay for it. And the other problem with that argument is the middle class won't pay for it, is she's not defining, no one's defining what the middle class is. You know, everyone thinks, oh, I'm middle class. Well, if you're earning $200,000 a year or $100,000 a year, you know, you are going to pay more money. So here's the problem. People are going to have to pay more. They know they're going to have to pay more. But what they're basically saying, and what we have to recognize, is there is no chance in hell that the Congress is going to vote for it. Let's say she's president. The Senate and even the red state congressmen are not going to vote for people to give up the insurance they now have, particularly in the Midwestern states, highly unionized states, where the union members are very happy with the insurance that they're now getting in their contracts. They don't want to have to give up their insurance company to go to a a government program where they're not sure what it's going to be. So what's going to happen is that in this election, if she is the Democratic candidate, I'm telling you, that the people we need to vote for us are going to get scared. And that's going to be the big issue. Socialism. You're going to lose your current insurance because they've got this plan for the government to insure you. People are going to get scared. We're going to lose the union vote. And Trump is going to be president again. And if you're willing to take this risk, on something that you know can never be passed anyway, because Congress won't vote for it, the Republican Senate or nearly, you know a conservative Senate will never vote for it. Why are you willing to risk Trump being president for something that you know can't come to pass anyway? I know you don't want to hear it, but that's really the truth. We're not arguing about the merits of the case. It would be good if we had Medicare for all, but politically it's not going to pass. And if it's not going to pass, why risk having this guy president for another four years where nothing you want is going to get passed?
0: All right, y'all, we're going to bring our musical guests back up. It is uh, a group based out of Cincinnati, Jamgrass, American Roots. Please give a warm welcome to Highly Likely, everybody.
1: Yeah. Hey,
2: hey!
3: All
0: right, so we heard uh, some of Highly Likely's tunes on uh, the last few podcasts, <laughs> and we uh, have been digging them. Very much. Thank you guys for coming back.
2: Thanks for having us. You absolutely.
0: And Shar, uh, this is another song written by you, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Um, that's Shar Bowling up there for you all listeners. Uh, she's playing acoustic guitar. And will you will you let us know the name of this song? I'm sorry. Will you let us know the name of oh, this song? Yes. This song is called Bigger Boat. Okay. Cool. You ready. <clears throat>
3: You don't build a higher wall, you just build a bigger boat. You don't keep out all the water, you just try to stay afloat. And the better is your crew. Oh, the
1: one of the best songs i've heard on this podcast in 5 years oh, thank yeah. You. Yeah. yeah that is <coughs> that was good that is so in our wheelhouse and yeah. we knew
3: our audience man <laughs> yeah.
1: that is really um, her, good that the cool nice. thing
3: is we were already there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: so i didn't have to talk
1: missing <laughs> <laughs> we'll about it no, that was really good that that was good great. job good job thank
2: great
0: thank you thank you so much Uh, Will you guys let us know where we can hear uh, more of your music and check out your upcoming shows?
3: Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, uh, highly likely music on Facebook. We have a website, highlylikelyband.com, and Hmm. uh, a lot of our music's on YouTube. Album forthcoming, early 2020.
0: Will you all do us uh, uh, the honor of letting Jerry (laughs) sit in on a verse of Down by the Riverside?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Our pleasure. (laughs) Ready?
0: I'm gonna lay
3: down my heavy load Down by the riverside